Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From Barangaroo Studios, this is the COB. Brought to you by eToro. Invest in ASX shares with $0 commission. Good afternoon. Welcome to Tuesday afternoon. Welcome to the COB. All the stuff you need to know in markets today. I'm Kyle Rodder, of course. Joined by Danny Akuye. Danny, it's uh, been four days between drinks for us uh, doing this. It's great to obviously. You could, yes, because you were away. I was away. So uh, yes. you were away yesterday too. So so here we yes. are. But um, tell you what, we'll get straight into it. Markets looking pretty quiet. And we were talking on the desk before uh, I mentioned the CBO cross that volumes are apparently rather low, perhaps a bit of a pre-US CPI nervousness, I guess you could say. That would be my hunch. Uh, mm. Not that I've been on a trading desk for a very long while, but <laughs> I suspect that might be the case. I, less so the budget, probably more so. Just people not wanting to take any positions in the run-up to the CPI on Wednesday evening our time. Yeah, it'll be a huge data point. Of course, we had those US jobs figures on Friday night all the way back then, sort of pointing to perhaps some resilience in the labour market. Uh, the last thing that perhaps we want to see is uh, any sort of stubbornness in that inflation figure. But we're probably getting, getting a little ahead of ourselves. Uh, the CBO 200 down by about 0.2% for the session. Okay, and uh, well, let's get to the three themes of yep. the day. Power on and, well, I guess it's a budget bonanza, or at least that's how we're going to sell it to you today. Um, will be some interesting things from, a, from an economic point of view, of course. Uh, inflation is the word. There is this concern whether it will be a net add or perhaps net, yep. uh, well, back, what would you say, reduction, whatever it happens to be, well, subtraction, net subtraction in inflation as um, an inflationary pressure? Yeah, I guess the concern always is there's two forms of stimulus, monetary and fiscal. Mm. And of course, the critics would say that, you know, they don't want, the budget should not be too fiscally stimulative to create more inflation, which obviously, you know, there's been a lot of criticism of the Biden administration. So I think yeah. that's why some of the budget measures are designed not necessarily to put money straight into the pockets of people, but to offset some of the cost pressures, but through other methods. But I'm sure we will learn more about that later. Yeah, well, at least we don't have any kind of Orwellian bill passing parliament like the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, <laughs> double speak there if I, I do say so myself. But um, let's move on. Bank profits today. We might touch on that in just a second because yep. CBA ra- rounded things out with an update today. And uh, confidence slumps. Who would have thought RBA it delivers a, a surprise hike and, and no one's happy about it. Um, still, obviously, in the doldrums households. Yeah, no surprises, really. Who's, who's feeling like they want to go out and shop unless, of course, you don't have a mortgage and uh, you are sitting on lots of cash and you're probably doing quite well, but not everybody is in that position. No, unfortunately not. But uh, let's get across some of the sectors today. We did speak about the banks. Again, we'll expand a little bit more on CBA news in just a moment, but we'll have a look at uh, the key sectors, first of all, with the banks. 
And well, actually, it was the only sector to finish higher, if I'm not mistaken, or at least only Correct. one of, uh, one of two. Up about 0.4% I've got financials. Yeah, which uh, ironically wasn't really because of the Commonwealth Bank's results, but nevertheless, a bit of a bounce back in Nabin Z, it would seem. Yeah, and also Macquarie Group um, buying coming in there. So that's, uh, we did have, I remember Adam Dawes on last Friday saying anything under, you know, $180 is a buy. I think mm. it got down to 172 something yesterday. And obviously the buyers decided just overdone and in they came. Um, NAB got really heavily sold off, didn't it, last week? Yeah. So also too, they've got those dividend payments coming up. So people are probably, you know, doing some buying in anticipation of that. Yeah, some quick shopping there, boost your income, of course. Um, okay, healthcare was an area of the market that underperformed today. I couldn't necessarily put my finger on any reason why that might be the case. Um, Resmed, you can ignore there, of course, but CSL slipping below $300 per share, broad-based losses for healthcare and real estate, another area of the market which came under some level of selling pressure and uh, we'll try to haul down 4%. Anything that jumps off the screen at you there in particular? Uh, I just think profit taking. I mean, Charter Hall, everyone's really concerned about probably the funds management because it's a fund manager as much as um, Mm. having a very wide, broad portfolio of assets. But they do have um, office commercial in their portfolio. Um, And I just think it's more thinly traded. It's it's smaller in comparison to some of the other bigger REITs and probably more sensitive when you get lower volumes and the price is pushed down. But some of those um, REITs have done really, really quite well. So I suspect in the run up again to the CPI, you know, if the CPI reads too hot mm. and bond yields start to react, well, then people are obviously going to take some profits in an interest rate sensitive sector like the REITs. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so there are some of the uh, areas of the market that were moving and shaking throughout the day. But um, let's get to one mover and shaker now. He's live at the desk. Martin Crabb from Shore and Partners is uh, here to, well, maybe we'll start with the, um, the, the the budget because we were joking off air before that typically these events aren't uh, significant from an investment point of view. Obviously, they're social and economic issues that we'll hear about a lot tomorrow. But um, as an investor, maybe not too much there that we don't already know. Yeah, a lot of it's been um, pre-released yeah. or, you know, the, the media has been given, you know, the key issues, what, you know, there's a surplus, which is great. We haven't had a surplus for 15 years. So there's people alive watching this show who've never seen a surplus. <laughs> um, so that's good news. And the fact that the the, um, the government gets that it needs to fight inflation. As you were talking about, Joe Biden said, well, I don't care. I'm spending, you know, 40 billion or whatever it is. And we had that infamous UK government that came out with a stimulatory <laughs> government lasted a little less than a lettuce. Um, so it's really good in Australia that we've got alignment between what, what the Reserve Bank's trying to do and what the, the government's trying to do, which is, is fight inflation. So that's, that's a very good news story because if you've got a stimulatory government, then the RBA has to go harder. So there's a little bit of an element of that in the in the interest rate market. It, it feels like we're moving back from this this notion of, of central banks cutting rates. It's just clear that the economy is too strong. One of the reasons we've got a surplus is the economy is so strong. Everyone's got a job. Wages are growing. The, um, the ABS data on spending today, we're still spending 10% more than we were a year ago. We're spending 40% more at restaurants and cafes than we were a year ago. So where's the cliff? There's no sign of the cliff. So you just get this feeling that, um, you know, the, the budget will just play to this narrative as well as the government is spending money. It's spending, yeah, you know, it's spending le- less fast than the money's coming in, um, but it's still, it's still, um, you know, expanding. 
So that's... Yeah, yeah, mm. no, fair enough. Might just loop back to the banking results because mm. you have seen some of the banks now withdraw from that um, fighting it out in the mortgage market. And I think CBA is also pulled its claws in, so to speak. How did you see the results? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the rally today is interesting because there wasn't any good news in the results. There weren't, there weren't like beats or anything like that. Maybe Westpac was a slight beat. There was a little bit of an upgrade there, but CBA was a little bit light on. Um, I think it's just a relief rally. Like all the bad news is now in the market. You sort of go into the bank results going, they're going to be horrible, they're going to be horrible. Um, CBA was leading the mortgage war. They have a digital brand called Unloan. So if you want to refinance and you're 80% LVR and owner-occupied, you can you can uh, get a really, really sharp rate through them. So that's their digital challenger bank. So they were leading the price war. The fact that they've said, oh, we're stepping away from competition, I think that's probably good news for bank shareholders. Uh, he made the point, Kyle, that you know the dividend yields at these levels have got to provide some sort of price support. So it doesn't feel like the market's going to roar away. So the banks will give you you know, close to 10% grossed up income, if you can use the franking credits, and then maybe a little bit of capital growth. So they don't look that bad. So we were very underweight, the banks, just going to these results because we thought they were going to be tough. And we are at peak bank earnings. There's no doubt about that. The bank sector tends to follow earnings. So we've got a chart that goes back to 87. And you can just overlay the share prices of the banks against the earnings per share. And it does look like it's peaked. There it is there. So, you know, you know, surprise, surprise, bank share prices follow bank earnings. In fact, they lead them. And it just looks like the black line is just rolling over, which mm. is earnings per share. So we're probably reaching peak earnings with these results. And we'll see downgrades going forward as the economy slows, as bad and doubtful debts start to pick up, and as credit growth continues to slow, the banks will be under further pressure. So we don't think it's a capital growth story, but it is an equity income story. You should get reasonably good dividend growth, uh, dividend income out of the banking sector going forward. Yeah. Potentially. Uh, oh, sorry, Danny. No, I was just, I was just going to ask, um, sticking with the financials, yeah. what about the insurance sector? Because that has been one of the favourites um, yeah, well, that, this year. Yeah, I mean, that's the long short out there really is to go long the insurance stocks and short the banks. So the banks have got earnings headwinds. They've got, as we said, high bad and doubtful debts, lower net income, whereas insurers are all come upgrades. So we've had a lot of catastrophes. And what tends to happen after catastrophes is premium rates go up. So anyone who's got their home, their home uh, and contents insurance or their motor vehicle insurance will have noticed <laughs> a staggering 20 or 30% mm. rise in the premium income, which is bizarre, but that, that's the nature of the beast. It's just capacity. And so there come upgrades. Also, a lot of the insurers in Australia are short tail insurers, which means they, they basically um, don't hold the, the uh, premium income for very long. So they're not invested in the equity market, they're invested in the, in the money market. So as interest rates go up, they get to earn that extra money on the, on the, uh, on the investment side. So you know, QBE, IAG, Suncorp are all short tail insurers mostly. And so they're uh, benefiting from higher interest rates. So they've got higher premium income, and, and higher investment earnings, so the best of both worlds. So they're seeing earnings upgrades at the time the banking sector seeing earning downgrades. And you look at the valuations and they look quite similar. They're both on sort of you know, low double digit, high single digit PEs, whether QBE, Suncorp, IAG, and the banks. So for us, it makes sense to be overweight insurance and underweight banks. So banks are about 20% of the index. Insurance is only three. We're, we're something like seven or eight in insurance and, and eight or nine in, in banks. That's kind of how we are at the moment. That makes that makes sense to us. May as well stay on the interest rate theme, I suppose, because we do have the CPI release out of the States on, on Wednesday night. Mm. 
our time. Uh, might even backtrack and, and tie in the fact that we had that job starter out on, mm. on Friday and seemed to spur something of a, of a risk on rally uh, for markets. I mean, there's an element here that, you know, good news is good news again because of these recession concerns. And I mean, could potentially CPI knock that on the head if it comes in, well, really as sticky as forecasters seem to be assuming? Yeah, there's a lot of crowding around this 0.3 for core and 0.4 for headline yeah. CPI. Almost every commentator I'm, I'm looking at is going for that number which means the risk is on either side of that. Um, again, this resilient economy and this sticky inflation is the, the fear that I've got, because if I look at what the market's pricing, it's pricing in rate cuts, three rate cuts by the Fed before Christmas. And the Fed's own employment forecast needs 120,000 jobs to disappear every month between here and the end of the year. We just added, what, 250,000 last week? So we've got to go from plus 250 a month to minus 120 a month for the rest of the year to hit that 4.5% inflation target, uh, sorry, unemployment target, mm. which means the next dot plot, which is not till June, will show um, uh, much higher uh, employment or lower unemployment and probably higher inflation, therefore a higher dot plot. So we are here at the moment, we've got what, 5% inflation and 3.5% unemployment. So we're still too hot. We're still above the target. And yes, inflation's coming down, but it's not roaring back to 2% anytime soon. So I just think the Fed has more to do. And that doesn't mean they'll go higher. It just means they'll stay where they are for longer. So I think the market's susceptible to what they call, uh, I think it's bear flattening, where the, the yield curve flattens out at the long end. I think mm. it's called a bear flattening. Uh, maybe some fixed interest uh, experts will let us know what yeah. a bear flattening is. Um, so I think we'll see the, uh, the futures curve continue or sorry, to stop pricing in rate cuts and to start pricing in the bank being on hold, both here and and in the US. And that means equity markets will probably stay under pressure. Mm. It was interesting, those credit numbers that came out of the US yesterday. I think that they are seeing, um, you know, a contraction Mm. in credit. And that was really pre all the, the, the super big bank blow up. So do you think that whole um, narrative that, 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 that the credit crunch is coming has some legs in the US and that really could be the factor that tips the economy into the recession? Yeah, I think that's what everyone's watching now is that, you know, uh, senior loan officer opinion surveys or the SLUs, yeah. the SLUs, which everyone's talking about, which is only quarterly, Danny, so it's not fantastically timely. Um, the, there are some other measures of, um, of liquidity and, and financial conditions that are more timely, but they're all showing the same thing is that things, it's getting tougher out there, which you'd expect after the massive uh, interest rate hikes that we've had. But everyone's watching for the next shoe to drop. The, the key is really that commercial real estate market. Mm. So you look, we talked about the REITs early being off 1% or 2% here. There's just this nagging fear that you know, real estate's come a 15 to 20% downgrade. Uh, and it's a bit like the banks themselves that are carrying treasuries that are down 20%. If they market to market, they become insolvent. If you start mark to marketing the commercial real estate sector in America, there's a lot more banks that look that look uh, in trouble. And remember, there's 4,500 banks. There used to be 14,000, but there's now there's 4,500 banks. So there's probably a good chance a couple of them have got have got themselves in a bit of trouble. So the market's looking for the next shoe to drop. Um, and, and that's going to keep people nervous, I think. So it's so like the phases of the GFC. At the start, it was a rate story, and then that sort of, and then it became a credit story, and then it became a solvency story, and then it became a financial system stability story. So it evolved <laughs> into something quite horrible. 
And we're going through phases not dissimilar to that, but a much lower magnitude, because obviously you've got the, the Fed's backstopping uh, the problems. But yeah, I just think markets will stay cautious during this period where we're waiting to see if there's another bank to drop. Well, cautious we will remain. Martin, thank you so much for your insights. It's fantastic as always, Martin. Fantastic. Craig from Shore and Partners there. I I think the the problem with Orica is that uh, it's extremely cyclical. And you see that if you take a longer term share price chart, um, the share price now is where it was 10 years ago. And in the meantime, of course, you can have these big rallies and then subsequently they can deflate as quickly as the, as the sun comes up every day. Given the good performance it has done thus far this year, um, I'd be looking for better opportunities elsewhere. Um, I'll go straight up and say this is a hold. Okay. Um, we are expecting uh, some good results. They did have an update in March, which pointed to uh, a bit of an upgrade there from the company. Uh, as Rudy says, they have had explosive growth. We are in the we are in the midst of a bit of a mining boom. Let's face it. Mm-hmm. Uh, gold is uh, gold is at an all time high yeah, in yeah. in U.S. dollars and in Aussie dollar terms. We are seeing Australia emerging as as one of the biggest exporters, if not the biggest exporter in lithium. Uh, obviously, the iron ore business still going pretty well for BHP, Rio, and Fortescue, and the coal business is not too shabby either. So all these um, resource mining stocks require explosives, and Orica is Johnny on the spot. Let's get a quick look on what's on overnight, shall we? Because, well, I can only really find... The budget. The budget. Yeah, did you hear? There's a, there's a little fiscal... I think up. we'll all be glued to the television around 7.30. Yeah, well, we'll see. Um, uh, okay, so we're having issues with a little bit of a chart, but that's fine. But it really is mostly the, the budget. We don't have too much data coming through uh, over the, the next... Still sort of US earnings, which I discussed um, with Josh Gilbert mm. earlier on. So there's a few more coming through over yeah. there. Any, any, any big names? I mean, we, we've Airbnb got... Airbnb and yeah, okay. Disney. Disney's always a big Disney's, one. Yeah. yeah, and they've got that awful dispute with uh, Ron DeSantis, which is causing no yeah. end of angst, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, risk that perhaps uh, in the past we thought uh, was uh, not something we considered, but obviously... Yeah, uh, new phases of geopolitical risk, isn't there? <laughs> uh, absolutely, and I, I guess it'll only ratchet up. I mean, we're, we're, we're almost at uh, the the, uh, the primaries for, for the Republicans, so um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that, the Republican Party. Um, but let's get uh, now, well, I suppose a little bit of a look at the leaders in my guards. We'll start with the leaders, of course. That would be uh, the only, uh, only the right thing to do. Uh, let's get to the top of the table. Imogene up 4.26%. Uh, Min Resources actually had Michael Gable on the trade today, dug into the technicals of mineral resources. He's reasonably constructive on the name as, a, I guess, a bit of a diversified mine. Play a few different themes there in terms of iron ore as well as, you know, that kind of renewable space as well. So that was up 2.64%. Uh, Danny, anything that uh, potentially jumps out here or, or tickles your fancy? No, from memory, I think Hub might have had some results or some announcement at the back end of last week, but I must admit I am none the wiser um, as to some of those rallies. I think the iron ore futures were a little bit firmer. The September's uh, September contracts um, that I looked, you know, that might have brought some buying in. But of course, mineral resources has been under quite a lot of selling pressure. 
Yeah, nothing I can find on Imugene there in particular. Released some news last week, but um, lo and behold, up 4.26%. Obviously, if you're a 12 cent stock, sometimes um, that can <laughs> that can happen. Um, otherwise, yeah, I mean, it, if you do look across the market, maybe it might even be worth just mentioning CBA shares at the moment. So um, only marginally higher for the day after those results. It would seem that a lot of that dirty laundry has been aired by the banks and perhaps the worst is price in, or at least we cross our fingers uh, for, for that. Um, let's look at the laggards now. And well, uh, Silver Lake Resources down by more than 5%. And we were talking about Charter Hall before too, no particular news necessarily. but No, uh, but I, I think um, Martin raised some really important points that, you know, the revaluations of commercial office property um, has not taken place. And of course, it hasn't really taken place here in Australia. So, um, you know, some people may be putting that tinge onto Charter Hall, but it is just one of the smaller REITs. So, um, you know, if you do get some some sellers, they can push the price down quite a lot. Yeah, and we'll be looking at, um, I suppose, gold stocks more broadly over the next couple of days because, and in fact, I was quoted the number yesterday. If you look at the ASX All Ordinaries Gold Index, probably a little bit lower than, than uh, yesterday, but uh, still for, for the year to date up about 30%. So yeah. pretty remarkable. And I dare say that there's more than a couple of people out there, rightly or wrongly, are pretty heavily allocated in, in uh, gold stocks, perhaps Correct. entirely allocated in gold stocks. I have met a few. Um, so uh, certainly on the money with that one, at least uh, to the year to date. Um, this inflation figure in the next couple of days will be so influential as to how obviously gold trades from here uh, in the short term. But uh, that was the laggards and well uh, we'll get across some of the small cap names of course we always enjoy doing this um, <laughs> Delta Lithium another new one um, yep. like the name though got to uh, commend them on that exactly um, actually there's a few little um, uh, what, do you, what do you call it um, Lithium names on there uh, Rare Earths names on is there. Minerals 260 another one? Yeah. Yeah, I'll take Winsome, that. And Winsome's Resources. Yeah, okay. So there's a little bit of a theme coming through there, I guess you could say. Yeah, I might be drawing all a little bit. Alltech Battery. Oh, they could be all very much linked to some of the announcements coming out of the budget mm. in terms of the renewable energy space and, yeah. uh, you know, continuing to for Australia to make its way to net zero emissions. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, well, here you can see there's some of the laggards in the small cap space. Okay, well, I mean, it will be budget night. Um, will you be staying up to watch it? Indeed. Yeah. Absolutely. Old habits die hard as a former analyst. Yes, absolutely. Well, um, we'll I'm saying look. that slightly tongue-in-cheek as I can see Martin almost having a giggle at me. <laughs> yes, uh, there were old war stories being exchanged uh, on, the, on the desk before. There were some rippers, of course. But, um, yeah, we will tune in and we're going to have a lot of analysis. I think it should be said that we do have our budget breakfast special tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, some, I suppose, luminaries in uh, public policy and economics in Australia sharing their views on, on what it will all mean. And of course, we'll try and talk to the investment experts too to see how they're uh, perhaps positioning around this. There's so many angles to pick apart. So we will um, get you across that tomorrow morning, 9.30am. So tune us, tune in uh, from them. But uh, Danny, what do you reckon? We, uh, we call it a day Yeah, for now. I think that's a day. Tuesday's gone. We're on to Tuesday evening and then Wednesday. Tuesday's gone. That's all in its, in its on. We might sing that up when we're uh, off air. But uh, for the time being, make sure you have a fantastic evening. We will see you tomorrow morning. The COB is brought to you by eToro. Invest in ASX shares with $0 commission. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.